Hi, I'm Susanna, and this is The Susanna Gibbs Show. I have been fortunate enough to have two careers over the past 20 years. It's longer than that. I've been an actress and producer, and I've also had an insurance agency, which is a very interesting mix of art and business. But on this podcast, we mix both. We talk to artists, idealists, entrepreneurs, the hows, the whys, and choosing to get up again. And the insurance agency sponsors the whole thing. So you can help us out by sharing this podcast, going to the website, www.giveagencydallas.net, and tell us what you think about the show. We would love to hear from you. On the podcast today is Matthew Thornberry. He is someone that I knew way back once upon a time when we used to shoot at Sally Beauty Supply. He's here to talk about his new movie, Blue Moon, which is out on all the streaming platforms. And we also talk about the SAG strike, the writer's strike, and Barbie. We're going to end the podcast with an insurance tip of the week so you can go out into the world smarter and more knowledgeable about exciting things in insurance. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Please reach out to us, and I hope you enjoy the show. And now, on with the show. Matthew, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It's been way too long. Way too long. It has been a long time since we hung out. How long has it been? Like, I don't know, man. 12 years or something, right? Yeah. I was, I, of course, you know, now that I'm older, I measure time by what kid it was. And (laughs) so I just remember being on- I think you left with your first one, right? It was. It was my first one. So she is now 15. No, no. It has not been that long. I know. Time marches on for everyone. So let's, let's, we're going to talk about Barbie first because I'm super excited to hear your thoughts about <laughs> Barbie without Barbie. Out, out giving spoilers. Because sometimes, oh, okay. you know, so okay. I think we should talk about, do we want to give spoilers or no spoilers? Uh, I'll do my best to refrain, but I mean. It, what are your thoughts it, on Barbie? Because I know you've seen it and I know that you uh, loved I, it. I absolutely loved it. My whole family loved it. The most people that I know seem to really like it. Uh, one of my best friends and his wife saw it last night, and they could not stop texting me about it. And they went, you know, dressed up in their matching pink. Uh, the few people I know that didn't like it, I think, are more upset about what it wasn't than what it was. Maybe you yeah. know, because when you hear, "Oh, they're making a Barbie movie," you know, it's like. Oh, so is like Barbie going to come to life or maybe the girl goes into a Barbie, like a little girl goes into the Barbie world and, you know, it's kind of a fun romp. And this is not that I feel like I've seen the Barbie movie where Barbie becomes a mermaid princess about 40 times and it's probably not this movie. No, not at all. Like people who watch the like the shows that were on like they're on Netflix now, like my girls did. You know, it's not it's not that at all. Uh, this is um, kind of a weird, beautiful, satirical take on the the human condition, and um, I don't think a lot of people are ready to go into a Barbie movie to think a whole lot, and mm. you kind of have to with this. But like, my wife was in tears at the end. Like, it t- touches on mortality. 
Like, I don't know, in the trailer, this isn't giving anything away. Everything's fun, and they're having a dance party, and then all of a sudden, you know, Barbie says, do any of you all think, do, do any of you ever think about dying? And it's probably the funniest line I've ever heard in a movie in, in context. Like, it had me rolling the first time I saw it um, in the trailer. It had me rolling in the theater. Because, again, you don't want to think about that kind of stuff usually, and especially not in a Barbie movie. Well, Margot Robbie is one of my faves, as well as Ryan Gosling. They're both so talented. Yes. This, would this movie have been as successful with different people? Is it the no. writing in the script, or is it... I, it? I'm sure it's probably a mixture of everything. But so Margot Robbie was isn't just Barbie. She's also the producer, right? Um, I did and, not know that she. I didn't. Yeah. Did she sign on as a producer in the beginning, or did she, she come on? She, once um, Amy Schumer left the project and Margo Robbie was brought on, Margo Robbie is, produces most of the things she's in now, um, like with well, I, she Tanya. helped develop some of, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the character's name. Harley Quinn. Thank you, yes. Yeah, yeah, and I, Tanya, which she's incredible in, and she's very savvy, and she's a great actress on top of that, and I think... You know, when they decided to bring on Greta Gerwig as well, uh, the, they worked really well together, and they both decided they wanted to do something that wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And the second I, I heard that Greta Gerwig was on board, it's like, okay, this is going to be fantastic, because it's going to be What else has Greta Gerwig done? Little Women. Okay. <laughs> and Lady Bird. Yeah. Uh, like, interesting. Well, Little Women... Okay. Lady Bird, though. Lady Bird's got some teeth to it, so. Right. And so does this. Um, but I, I, and then they both wanted uh, Ryan Gosling on. And Ryan Gosling, even in the press tour, um, has been all in. And I think with this kind of character, he needed to be. And, I mean, the day the movie came out, people were like, oh, this is going to get nominated for supporting actor, at least. Because mm. he's just, he's that good. It's kind of like when you watch Beetlejuice and you see um, Michael Keaton pop up and he just kind of steals everything because he's all in on this really weird character. Imagine that, but he has half the movie. Mm, interesting. You know? Yeah, it's, so, it's great. Margot Robbie, seriously, she wins in the genetic gene pool. She's yeah. got looks and brains, but Ryan Gosling... This is a fun game. I've been asking people, what's your free, your three favorite Ryan Gosling movies? Oh, um, I actually really like The Notebook. I think he's great mm. in it. Um, okay. And, and just for the one line, um, you know, after he finished building it, uh, he gave serious thought to burning it down. Um, I think we've all been there where it's like, it's done. I hate it. Um, <laughs> I love that. This, he's fantastic in. But uh, I'm a huge fan of Drive. I love Drive. But uh, also uh, the Nice Guys. Nice Guys, he's great. Like, he's always good. He's always good. So my top three, Drive, I, I need to watch it again. Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah. That was the first time I was like, oh, you're not just pretty. Holy cow. <laughs> um, and um, Crazy Stupid Love. I think he's yeah. so, so good in that. He, well, yeah, even when he you know shows up on SNL, he's great. You know, oh, the skits on SNL, the, the, the UFO alien skits are some the, of the best. The one where Kate McKinnon is manhandling him 
that's that's you know? the second one where she's literally just yeah 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 that's a good one super good well good Hope what's people... your favorite margot robbie role oh i don't know i'm interested to see this one honestly because um i feel like we haven't seen the best of margot robbie yet you know yeah and i i agree and the funny thing is she's always fantastic and like (laughs) even a a role like her first big breakout here was wolf of wall street and a role like that you know you you could be a one and done right but she steals that movie from everyone else and it's like the biggest actors ever in that movie yeah she's fantastic yeah she's beautiful 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 so the other thing we talked about, which I want to get into, um, is because I thought you had some really interesting insights into the SAG strike. Yeah. It's funny how we call it the SAG strike, even though WGA has been striking for like two months longer. I yeah. should add in the writer's yeah. strike as well. Yeah. And the solidarity between the, the two is uh, fantastic. So, yeah. What are the biggest issues that the writers are going after um uh royalties first of all um from you know the the days where you could write on a show in the 90s you know or the 80s and your royalties would be you know in the thousands are 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 gone and you know there are people online on twitter who are posting copies of the residual checks for big streaming shows where you're getting like a three cent check, mm. you know, and um, Mandy Moore for her work on This Is Us, which is one of the biggest hits on network television. Huge. Says that she's gotten like $34 in residuals in streaming. How are uh, the streaming people getting away with this? The streaming, you know, I've, I I've guess this wa- is where they're not they're, That's why huh. people are striking to say this is enough. I, I've been wondering that because, you know, back back when we had the studio system and the studios own production, distribution, and ex- exhibition, uh, the government kind of stepped in and said, yo, uh, there's uh, some antitrust stuff going on. Like, you guys are a monopoly. Mm. So you need to get rid of one of your three parts. And they said, oh, we'll get rid of exhibition because they can't exhibit anything if we don't pr- if we don't produce it and then distribute it. So that was fine. So they get a a 50-50 take from theaters, right? Um, but with streaming, they kind of bypass that and they get everything. And with streaming, they don't really have to kind of report properly. And, you know, Hollywood accounting's always been funny. You know, like they said that uh, Predator lost money, but it has six sequels. Mm. Six sequels <laughs> to a movie that lost money, right? Right. No, nobody <laughs> makes a sequel if it loses money. Right. Yeah. So um, it's it's one of the things where at at some point it almost feels like the government might have to step in again because it's like, hey, remember how you got rid of exhibition like 60 years ago? Well, that's literally what Paramount Plus, Peacock and all these other places are. You're you're exhibiting your stuff, especially when they'll make things and bypass theaters or regular broadcast television altogether. So um it was a little different when like Netflix first started and they could license out product, you know, and then everyone's like, Oh, well, we don't want to split the revenue anymore. We'll bring it in house. Um, 
yeah, so the the thing is they don't really have to tell you how much something is making, how much it's been viewed. You just kind of have to trust them, you know? And, you know, that's what studios are known for is trust. Oh, yeah. So what are, what are the what streaming are the platforms, what do they say in their defense? That we're just, we're not making we're not, enough money. We're not making money. It's not profitable. Well, it, it kind of depends on the streaming service, right? Like Netflix operated under a loss for a long time, you know? Um, and they put, they're putting billions in the content. And they say they're making money. But again, it's kind of hard to judge that. Somebody like um, Prime... Well, you get Prime free with your membership, right? So, is are they wanting you to get Prime so you watch more stuff, or are they producing stuff so you buy a Prime account and then shop more because, hey, you already have a Prime account now. You might as well. And everything's kind of like tied together with Amazon, so that's a little weird. Um, with something like Disney, I mean, they, they own Hulu and ESPN Everything. and ABC. So, yeah, it, that, it really depends on the streamer that you're talking about. But apparently Peacock, it came out this morning that Peacock's losing $1.3 this year and looks to lose more than 3 next year. Well, there's so much content out there. It's like, how do you get eyeballs on your, content, on your content? If everybody can, yeah. you know, once upon a time, you could make a movie... Uh-huh. And it would make money, right? Yeah. All independent movies would make money. A lot of it was on DVD sales overseas. Now the DVDs That's, went yeah. away. Um, uh, and now and anybody, anybody can put out content. I mean, we're putting out content right now. Um, yeah. So maybe some of the content needs to go away. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's kind of the the double-edged sword of this. The double-edged, the one part is, yeah, anybody can make something. And that's great. That means there's no more gatekeeping in theory. The downside is anyone can make something. Yeah. You know, and uh, it used to be you'd have to buy a camera, figure out a way to edit it, whether, you know, it was before digital or after you would have to get a turnkey Avid system, which, you know, would be $150,000, $200,000. And the price and the access to the equipment was enough of a gatekeeper, right? But now anybody can make a movie on their phone. They can well, and, shoot and edit it and publish it on their phone. And we that's how we end up with this just tsunami of content. And now it's people don't see it as creating art for culture. It's creating content. Mm-hmm. I know my kids have their favorite YouTube shows <laughs> that they like to watch. I watch YouTube I've more never... than almost anything else. These are shows, and I have a hard time with YouTube because there's a lot of stuff out there that's not great for kids, and so it's been really hard to manage, and I finally just took it away, but they all have their, like, this show, this show, I've never heard of it, but it's so popular, and they all know about it. Oh, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I've had to have the same kind of talks with my kids where it's like, okay, uh, we're going to have to have random searches of your phones to see, to make sure you're not watching certain shorts. Like my my youngest daughter found a show with like these ghost hunters, you know, and it's all like... like, Oh, my daughter got real scared about that. She was terrified. Yeah. And then, then, you know, I had to sit down and watch something with her and I'm like, okay, so you see how this could easily be faked 
you know, and luckily my youngest daughter has gotten into editing and she, now she has her own channel. So she's able to see past a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, at first it was, it was, there was, it was some tricky. weird show. It was a cartoon Fine. and it was the frozen characters, but yep. they were having babies like, mm -hmm. and showing it. And I was like, what this? Why? You know? Yeah. It's so kind terrible. of a terrifying, <laughs> terrifying platform. It is. It is. So, coming back <laughs> <laughs> to streaming and because you, part of uh, when we were talking ahead of time, it was about your yeah. um, experience with your own movie on streaming and the challenges that you've had. So, let's talk about what was the movie that you did and released recently. I, I released a film called Blue Moon. Um, it played some festivals last year and then it went public on Amazon Prime in November and then it hit Tubi, Apple TV and, you know, a handful of others. And, you know, at first we were getting some good views, especially before it went to the on-demand services, right? When it was up for rent and for sale only, it was very easy to see how many people were watching it because I could you know, basically see, okay, we've had this many rentals, uh, Amazon keeps half and then my distributor takes 20 and then I get the rest and then my DP gets 10. So it's like, I could easily figure out from what I was getting, how many people were watching it. Right. Then we went to Tubi and even though Tubi does have a much better payout, I have no many people, no idea how many people are watching it because the, the number of ad breaks changes day to day almost it seems. And now I, instead of being able to see, okay, I got X amount. So that means this many people bought it and this many people rented it. Now I just get a number and I have no idea how many streams that is. And I don't know how much they're charging for the ad placements. You know, it's just something they do. And then, uh, I, I get a dollar amount and lately it's been more like a cent amount uh. every month and that's it. What does Tubi say on the front end of, of how they're going to manage the ads and how the ads affect your revenue? Um, they basically say uh, we will put ads on it and it, they will vary. And that's kind of what they say. Interesting. Like that's, yeah, is there a theory on how, what their motivation is based no on? Idea. I mean, they have to know how many people are on their platform at any given uh -huh. time. Right. And the theory is that if more people are watching it, they'll put more ads onto it, right? Okay. That's what. And is it's it like commercials, like watching a TNT movie where literally it takes four hours to watch a two hour movie? <laughs> no, it's like usually like one or two ads at the beginning and then you can place ad breaks throughout, right? Um, I streamed it the other night. My, my DP was over. He and I haven't talked in, you know, a little bit because we've been busy. And we got together and we put the movie on Tubi and we had a couple of ad breaks, right? Check this morning, there are no ad breaks. So like, hmm. it, I have no idea how it varies from day to day. I have, like, there's no reasoning, they just do it. And that's kind of the frustrating part is that, I, again, I just have to take their word for it. And there's, there's really no So there's no, no accountability. There's no way of account. There's no accountability and no way of accounting for the metrics. You know, like I could at least see, oh well, people are dipping out at this part, or 
um, these people are like people from this area are watching it or people of this demographic are watching it. So I could make ads targeting those people. So right now, anytime I make an ad, it's just kind of a shot in the dark. It's like, I think this is the group watching it when I really you don't make know. the ads. I do because uh, I'm paying for this myself. Yeah. Oh, no, like if like if I'm doing a Facebook ad for the movie, I mean, not the ads oh, I see, that are I showing. see, I see. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant ads on Tubi. No, 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 no. They're the ones. Yeah, they they do that. And what's your uh, what's your movie about? Uh, it's a mostly true story. Uh, what happened to me when uh, the, the logline is the mostly true tale of a man traveling to Eastern Kentucky to deal with the unexpected death of his estranged father. So it's based on what happened when my dad died suddenly in 2016. And about halfway through the trip, things were really weird. And I kept telling people about it. And they're like, oh, that's really weird. My wife finally said, you need to make a movie about it. Uh, so I did. And yeah, it's um, the, the movie, as weird as it gets, uh, some of the stuff that I put in the movie, it was actually weirder in real life. But, like, it was so weird that people wouldn't have believed it. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. Super fun. Super fun. What's on what? the the agenda, agenda for, for? What's your next project? Next what project. do you have coming down the road? Uh, we're actually working on a couple of things. I was talking to somebody last night. The, the goal is to get more people to see Blue Moon so we can... Because one of the nice things about doing it myself was that I wasn't beholden to anybody yeah. um, and that's nice but the second you get money from other people you are beholden to them right um, but we're trying to figure out what the best thing to do would be because there are like three things that I've started writing that I really like but part of me is thinking that they're a little too uh, weird and uh, a little too out there Um because that's just kind of where I, my head wants to go. Uh, <laughs> and we're, you know, I, I've got people on both sides where it's like, let's make something that we can easily sell. And other people are like, let's make something that can, uh, you know, satisfy, satisfy, satisfy us artistically. So that's always the challenge, isn't it's, it? It's a, yeah. And, you know, I, I got to meet Spielberg when I was in college and I asked him if he ever felt torn between making a movie artistic versus marketable. And he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, all the time. The key is you have to find the art. So I've been trying to find the art, and it's it's tough, and that's why he is who he is. It is. That's a good point, find, yeah, to find the art in the marketable. And it has to be a story you just have to tell. Yeah, and that's kind of the... It's also like, for him, you know, like he said, when he talked to me, he said, the like, Jurassic Park is a dumb monster movie but making the dinosaurs realistic was the artistic part. And you're like, okay, well, that's why it works so well. So sometimes for him, it's not necessarily the story that's artistic, but the way he tells it, you know? Um, so, yeah, right, right. It also right now, it's trying to judge uh, what the market's going to do because no one really knows because, you know, things that you could have banked on last year to succeed are failing this year. It's well, that's really the trouble because it did... Making a movie is not a short endeavor. So no. if it changes so fast in a year, this project that you've come up with that would be great right now in a year may be yesterday's news. Yeah. 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 It'd be so interesting to see what happens with the the the, the 
writer strike and the actor strike. Um, I know that one of the the things that that struck me, and we've talked about AI before, is um, how do you control your image? How do actors control their image? Well, do they sign away way. the rights to their image? And, and that's and that's part of this is that um, bef- right as the strike happened, studios came to uh, SAG and they said, "Okay, well, how about this? We pay a background actor for one day." And then we scan their likeness, and then we can use it however we want in perpetuity. No, it's like wait, what? So, so you that can in have... perpetuity clause on the contract. I was I walked from any of them that said in perpetuity. Right. I was like, I'm dead. I'm good. I'm dead. It's like I thought. I thought Crispin Glover, like you know, sued thirty years for this exact same thing on Back to the Future too. You know, where it's like, oh, yeah. I was in the first one. I wasn't in the second one. You can't use my image. I thought we were past this, but. Now they're wanting to get an exact digital yeah. digital replica of an actor. So if they see yeah. a background yeah. actor that's being paid, you know, a couple hundred dollars a day, and they're like, "Oh, this person has a really good look," they can scan them and get them to say whatever they want. Like that's, I, I mean, I, the ethics of that alone are troublesome. Very troublesome. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with me about what you have in the pipeline and Barbie and all the rest. Well, thanks and for I'm glad me. you I got really the uh, maroon the maroon memo. It's good work, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks again. It's always fun to talk to other filmmakers because nerding out about performances and stories and. It's just always super fun. So segueing into the insurance tip of the week, because we talked about the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild, which are unions and they are striking, let's talk about workers' comp in the state of Texas. Texas is a right-to-work state, so you don't have to have workers' comp here. However, if you don't have workers' comp, you're leaving yourself vulnerable to a potential suit by an employee. It's a lot harder for an employee to sue you for negligence with workers' comp. So just because your employee walks around the desk and trips and falls, that could be your problem as the employer if you don't have workers' comp. Reach out to us if you have questions about that or anything else. Go to GiveAgencyDallas.com. Thank you so much for being here. Reach out to us at GiveAgencyDallas.net. We would love to hear from you. Thank you in advance for sharing this podcast with other Texans you may know who like to hear about what's going on in their great state. Thanks so much. See you again next week.